0: The 7 Eleven by your house is the worst 7 Eleven I've ever been in. And I feel like I've done this in an opening before, but the wound is fresh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) First off, I don't know what you're talking about because when I go to that 7 Eleven, it reminds me of home. And by home, I mean New York.
0: I can see that. It's pretty sketchy, it's terrible. So you walk in the 7 Eleven and you go immediately left and you get to the slushy or the slurpy machines. And immediately behind you is just a whole aisle of hats for no reason why does the 7-eleven carry so many hats well don't forget you also have the really fuzzy masks like animal masks yeah i don't understand those either also the 7-eleven is selling silly bands is it 2008 Ooh, i wonder if they put on the on the back like what each of them mean i don't know but they're they're on they're on your way to the slurpees where they have uh like the squishy toys those like poop emojis that are squishy yeah it's right there but anyway so all i wanted all day was a slurpee because it it wasn't even warm i would just really want a slurpee and so i was like ah, oh, we're gonna to record tonight beth ann lives near 7-eleven i'm gonna get a slurpee and this 7-eleven has six slurpee flavors do any of them work when i go in there no <laughs> Actually, one did work, but it was vitamin water. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not getting a vitamin water Slurpee. So I settled for a vanilla Coke that I felt like I had to buy because I was talking to the poor cashier that was all alone and very friendly. And so here we are.
1: Let me tell you my favorite story.
0: My favorite
1: uh, moment, if you will, from that 7-Eleven. I was in there getting a... Chicken and cheese, taquito, <laughs> as I do. And while I'm waiting in line, and keep in mind, the pandemic is still going strong, even though, you know, it's still going on strong now. But, you know, to no set the one scene... in that Seven Eleven th- was wearing a mask today. This is pre-vaccine. I mean, this is pre-vaccine COVID. So tensions are high. And as I'm waiting in line at my respectable six feet, which, to kind of lay it out for you, I'm by the, the drinks. I'm okay. not even... I'm not even near the cash register. And these two dudes get into a fight by the slot machines.
0: Yes. I don't know slot, what. The 7-Eleven in Virginia has a slot machine. I don't know what they were fighting about, but
1: to kind of describe it to you, have you ever seen the viral Corgi video where they like kind of bicker <laughs> each other? Like, and then they stop and they turn around and they yeah. give a time. And all of a sudden they go right back into it. Yeah. Well, that's what these gentlemen did. <laughs> they literally got into a fight like verbal altercation and then they just stop and they just like turn turn around away from each other and then no more than two minutes later one of the guys attempts
0: to throw a punch that sounds exactly like what i would expect in that Seven Eleven. i was i was raised in places <laughs> like that <laughs> to be fair that Seven Eleven has been in the exact same condition my entire life i'm not so. surprised
1: it has not been updated since the 70s
0: nope it has not
1: and this is not a 7-Eleven podcast. so. No, but that's <laughs> one hell of an idea.
0: Pin that for later. No, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> anyway, I'm Leah. I'm Bethan, And this is She Will Rock You.
1: Where are they getting a dump in a CPS executive meeting? No, <laughs> bitch, don't touch my thermostat. The ghost be like, "Hold up, before I haul you, let me turn down the thermostat." <laughs> Who
0: is this man? We're on
1: page one, guys. <laughs> this is You.
0: Okay, so business items up front before we get started on this episode. Number one. You may have noticed already because it's it's not new this week, but we have new cover art. We do. We made it ourselves, so congratulate us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we felt like it was time for a facelift. It's been almost two years with yeah. pink art, and it just... We did a lot of research on what other podcasts were doing and just needed change to change our look yeah. a little bit. I'm so. personally
1: a fan that black is just taking over, but you know...
0: I think it fits the vibe a little bit more. We yeah. were very ambitious. I love pink, but we were very ambitious with that it pink was, cover. <laughs> pink needs to
1: be more of an accent.
0: Yeah. Black
1: is forever.
0: If you look at it's other podcast arts, not a lot of them are pink. Yeah. Um, number two, we have a website. I think we mentioned that before, but it's still new and exciting. So go check it out. com. Uh, I'm trying to, every time we release a new episode, put up any videos that are referenced so that they're easy for you to find. Um, and if we do an interview, I put like links to their socials and their Spotify so you can check them out easily. Item number three, we've been getting a lot of new listeners. We have! So thank you if you're new. Thank you for sticking around and being here from the beginning if can you're not I, new. Can I give a shout out to Sweden? Because apparently, yes. <laughs> apparently that's like one of our highest places we are played. Like we were number what? Hold on, I'm I'm pulling it 60 up because something as of this recording. Uh, no, we today we're number eighty-two in Sweden. Oh, that's right. We are loving the fact that we ranked on the charts in Australia, Germany, and Sweden this week. Yes. Don't really understand why, so but shout that's okay. out to you if you're listening from those three countries. Please tell us how you found us. Yes. Very curious. Um, we're also on the charts in America, obviously, and Canada, so shout out yes. to the Canadians. We actually moved up to 67 in Canada today. So I know, that's one of our highest ones. Moving on up. All that to say... If you like this podcast and you would like other people to be able to find this podcast, you can help us out in two very simple ways. Uh, Number one is if you have a Spotify account, even if you do not listen to podcasts on Spotify, go to the She Will Rock You page and just click follow. Like Mm -hmm. that's all you have to do. You never have to listen to an episode on Spotify if you don't already. Uh, Spotify really likes to see how many followers a podcast has and so the more we have the more people can find us because um the explore pages for podcasts are very weird yes do not understand how they work um there's been handsome squidward on the first page for three weeks and it's not even a real podcast fact okay the fact that we got
1: outvoted It's not a voting system, but...
0: I don't know what their system is. It seems to be number of followers slash download. Whatever the
1: word is. The fact that we got outvoted by a random sound named Samantha and it was a a cat cat photo a cat as of a, no
0: text no originality their entire feed just is just a cat just sound snippets from various barbie movies if that tells you anything about spotify's algorithm yes so just just go follow it us over there yes the other is to and i know i've said this like for the last two years to leave us a review on apple podcasts Please. Please. And i don't think i've ever gone in on detail on why so i'm gonna give you the speech and i'm probably gonna give you a speech please put on your nerd analytic every (laughs) we give you this speech every time we open a podcast probably for the next foreseeable future apple is like the king of podcasts they were kind of the first to put out rss feeds and like let you listen to podcasts on your ipod and so all the other podcasting networks kind of look to apple as the king they're the only one that lets you leave reviews that i'm aware of Um, And so when you get a review on Apple, it reflects across all the other platforms. It's kind of like, you know, I think about SEO. Google's the king. So like if you're not ranking on Google, you're not going to rank on Bing. So it's kind of the same thing here. If you're not ranking on Apple Podcasts, you're not ranking anywhere else. I'm
1: going to have to pause you because Roadie is like... Roadie has found my chips. (laughs) Like two bites away from those chips. I'm going to
0: put it in my hoodie
1: pocket. (laughs) So yeah, Roadie. The dogs are down here, not for long though. But Rody will literally climb on top of the couch, and he has cornered where Leah is, and is going right by the chips because he's a beagle. This is now his only goal in life.
0: So yeah, if it doesn't have a good review on Apple, it's not going to get seen by anyone else. Mm-hmm. So if you can just go to your Apple Podcast app, even if you don't listen on Apple, if you have an Apple ID, if you own an iPhone, make an account. If you've ever owned an iPod, you have an Apple ID. That's right just pop over to the podcast app go to the library tab if you are subscribed to us if not just search she Will rocky podcast go to our show page just scroll to the bottom you'll see the stars and it's it's great if you leave a star review if you don't feel like writing anything that's cool but what really really helps is you leave a five star or four star if you really don't think we deserve five um and write a review that's that's like yes the best thing you can do for us that being said, today I learned that whenever I check it on my American iPhone, I don't see the reviews that have been left in other countries. So Apple has updated their, their backend platform for us. And today I log in and it was like, you have a review in the United Kingdom and a review in Chile. And I was like, the fuck we do? What? <laughs> so, uh, to the two of you who left reviews, I'm going to read them. I'm really sorry that I missed them for like literally a year. It's really but
1: it's really Apple's fault that we did not know.
0: I blame Apple because they clearly, I, I closed the tab, so I'm going to pull it up now because I'm dumb. Uh, so I blame Apple. We'll start with the one from Chile. Chile. Actually, we'll start with the one from the UK because that one was left first. This one was left by our friend from, hold on, Picadix. please put that at the
1: very end Uh, i i apologize
0: that's going in the episode for what i just said okay the first one is from the uk it's from our friend pick a disc uh i was on an episode about paramore's riot so if you want to go listen to that pop over to their feed and he says As a history buff in general, I find the general premise of two rock-loving friends explaining the history of classic rock bands to each other interesting. But what's nice is that the two hosts weren't born when artists and bands were at the apex of their careers, so it doesn't have the feeling of some podcasts where two hosts pine for the good old days when they were young. So the subjects of each episode are well-researched and told in a precise yet comfortable manner. There is enthusiasm and passion for the subject matter that comes around that comes across in these hosts and thus it's just easy to listen to. Sometimes the format's broken up by the odd interview and so far the guests and interviews hold your ho- hold your interest easily.
1: That was a great review and I'm still laughing about <laughs> Pickett this.
0: I'm really sorry. <laughs> that that was amazing. <laughs> and the other one is from Miss Cabezoda from Chile and she just says Love it. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Recommend to all music lovers out there. So Aww. thank you too for our international thank reviews. I'm sorry that I missed one for a year. It was left on February 18th, 2020. <laughs> um, I think that's enough of me talking for this episode other than my commentary on what we're talking about today. Expect a speech next week. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. I chose this band for two events that happened to me recently. First, there's an Instagram page called Albums of Bikini Bottom. I highly recommend it because <laughs> take your favorite cover art from rock and roll and add SpongeBob or Squidward or Patrick or the whole Bikini Bottom fan. It's awesome. So they did a Spongefied version of London Calling. Oh, gosh. <laughs> second around the time i was working on janice rock the casbah was stuck in my head for two weeks for no other reason i hadn't heard it it just randomly showed up so
0: (laughs) it's the universe telling you to do the clash
1: it that's exactly what i'm saying today we're talking about the clash and up to this point i actually didn't know a ton about them
0: All I can really tell you is that they use Should I Stay or Should I Go in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. (laughs) It's about all I got.
1: And, you know, I think, like, punk in general, I like the bands that come from punk and that 80s scene, but I don't necessarily listen to it a lot. Yeah. But it's still fascinating material. And I'm not talking Greed Day punk. Like, OG punk. We're talking, like, early punk it's just coming on the scene. Uh, this is also going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because they only had like five albums. Not a ton. No. But still, nonetheless, a ride. I'm also putting a trigger warning in here because I feel like I shouldn't have to do this. But these 70s and 80s punk rock bands couldn't fucking behave themselves. Love that. So I'm putting it in here um, because we're going to talk about some subjects around race and anti-semitism oh damn it could make some uncomfortable. trust me i'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about it but nonetheless my job is to bring the deets slash the tea to the audience <laughs> so as comes with the territory okay let's jump into early life and for this we're going to stay focused on the main lineup associated with the band which is joe strummer mike jones mick jones paul simonon and topper heaton so we're gonna start with joe strummer john graham malore ew
0: <laughs> i see why he changed his name that is not very <laughs> rock and roll But it
1: it's very british it is very british very british he was born on august 21st 1952 in anacra turkey his mom was a nurse and his dad was a civil servant which made me realize i don't know what a civil servant is
0: <laughs> so what's a civil servant i don't know oh you didn't look it up no <laughs>
1: I I thought it was like foreign service for like the government. Yeah. I think that's the British way of saying they work for the government. Okay. That's how I kind of interpreted it. Um, But yeah, I I still don't know what a civil servant (laughs) is to be quite honest with you. At age 10, both him and his older brother were sent to a boarding school in England. A quick story about his brother. He was apparently a Nazi uh, uh, what who was also into the occult so we have an occult nazi those two don't go together no well okay
0: maybe hitler do. was kind of
1: into the occult a little bit from my understanding i don't know if that's confirmed or conspiracy theory but my brain's kind of ticking that in my head a little bit but sadly his brother did pass away at age 19 it really affected joe in his life um but besides that random fact When they were in boarding school together, they didn't really see their parents that much. Like, I think they saw him like once a year. As far as music goes, he was really inspired by Little Richard and Woody Guthrie. And his little, I don't know, he's probably 15 at this point. His little 15-year-old brain says, I'm going to go by Woody. So he went by Woody (laughs) for a few years. Why, though? Well, you know, Woody Guthrie.
0: It's like taking
1: on... It's like naming yourself Elvis.
0: No. Elvis
1: Jones. Actually that's a good that's a good name.
0: It's a good name for a cat. <laughs> for a
1: cat. <laughs> All right. After graduating boarding school, he thought, eh, may I become a cartoonist <laughs> and enrolled in Central School of Art and Design in London. It was around that time that he purchased his first instrument, which was a ukulele. And he learned to play Johnny Be Good on Aww. that ukulele. But shortly after that, he moves to South Wales, um, where he becomes an artist. of sorry. He becomes a vocalist for a band called The Vultures.
0: So he didn't start playing an instrument until he's like in college? Yeah. That's late.
1: Actually, most of these dudes, ex- well, I say most, I think like two of them, Really didn't play instruments that much. That's until late, later, yeah, compared
0: to every other band we've ever
1: talked about. But also, it makes sense because punk music, especially like early punk music, is really just—it's
0: not good. Like, it's not technical.
1: It's not technical. That's the word I am yeah. looking for. It's not technical. It's just strum and beat the hell out of the strings until they break. You know three chords? Cool,
0: you are hired. That,
1: that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. So in nineteen fifty-four, nope, nope, nope. In
0: 1974,
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, the Vultures fizzle out. He moves back to London, moves in with a friend. And then he's like, hey, let's name our band the 101ers. No. Not to be confused with the 101 Dalmatians, which is also based in London, but this is <laughs> based off part of their address to their flat.
0: A terrible band name. You know,
1: looking at the 101ers, I thought it was going to be a lot easier to say. Yeah. then when I finally came to, and I was like, oh, shit, That's, that doesn't quite roll up the tongue, does it? Did you hear the new single by the 101ers? <laughs> no. You know, I would only appreciate them if the, all their songs were just numbers number 45, number two,
0: Concept by the band. 101ers.
1: Ooh, ooh, a math band. No. Uh, I'm just saying. We already have math metal. You might as well just make a math rock the band. The fuck,
0: there's math metal.
1: Yes, because it, it's all technical. I think it's called. There's one called Tricot, and they're like mathematic metal.
0: Metal is a wild genre. It,
1: it truly is.
0: There are no rules. That it is the wild west of music. The minute you show me SpongeCore, all rules were <laughs> out. <laughs> oh man. Okay.
1: So when he becomes the one of oneers, he goes. Mm, Woody's not going to do it anymore. <laughs>
0: I just. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) What? There's
1: a lot of dick jokes happening in this
0: episode. (laughs) Why is it so funny? Ten minutes later. Because I said
1: Woody. That's why it's funny to you, Leah.
0: Pick a dick. Anyway, now you got to leave that at the beginning of the episode.
1: (laughs) Great. Now I'm going to go talk about Joe Strummer and that's his fucking name for the whole fucking episode. Great. Great. Now I'm going to make it. Now I'm not. Now I'm going to make another dick joke about Strummer. Way to go. Sorry. God. Now I had to put a trigger warning for dicks on this. All right. Anyway. So Woody is gone. He replaces it with Joe Strummer. And just like Mike Dirt from Green Day, he chose his name. Because of what the rhythm guitar does.
0: I was going to say at the very beginning, Strumming. please tell me he's a guitarist, but that seemed way too on the nose, nope. so I didn't say it. Nope. G- rhythm guitarist strum. I hate that.
1: Joe Strummer. Um, so we're done with him. We're going to move on to Mick Jones. Michael Jeffrey Jones was born in London on June 26, 1955.
0: He's decided his name was generic enough to to be left alone yes simple simple mix. Mike, mike jones um his grandma who
1: is of jewish descent escaped from russia to the uk to avoid the russian programs uh there's really not much about his early life after school he went to west london school of art and design because in in his eyes it is the gateway to getting into bands <laughs> which where is the lie mm which how many our students do we know that go into a band a lot a lot so he first started with glam rock and then he moved into punk we'll come back to the band he created in a moment oh god yes correct you are correct to fear it (laughs) because it's it's a whole thing anyway um for the other two paul cinnamon and topper heaton not nah, we don't know much about him we know that paul was born in south london in december 15th 1955 but he also did go to a art school called byram shaw school of art so the mix theory is holding up yep topper heaton was born in kent on may 30th 1955 he did not go to an art school but he did start playing jazz drums at an early age
0: Wait, there's a lot of jazz drummers that end up in band. yes jazz well jazz
1: drums it's interesting because i mean jazz uh what's where like patterns are way different
0: and they're very technical
1: yeah very technical and i think we see that come into like especially in the metal world Mm -hmm. but also like in a lot of like heavier music there's a lot more technical drums to it yeah so i think i think there's definitely a connection there i don't know so as we discussed These dudes are pretty much all in different bands, in different genres. And keep in mind, punk is just starting to come on the scene. But it's not quite there. For example, Joe Strummer's band, The 101ers, was a pub rock band. Now, you may ask yourself, what is pub rock? Well, the United States people are asking, (laughs) what, what is pub rock? I'm picturing like a garage band. Like... that. You know, I I can see it. I think I think that's a fair comparison of Garage Band to pubs. Yeah, but it's pretty self explanatory. they performed in pubs. Garage Band, and their attitude is definitely similar to punk. Um, they hated glam. They hated large arenas, so you would not have been a fan of them. Nope. They were also they also were known for wearing like filthy clothes, and according to Wikipedia, the bands looked quote menacing and threatening. <laughs> so definitely punk beta um the genre did not last long because one no major labels wanted to sign them
0: wow (laughs) i'm
1: so shocked (laughs) and point number two punk's coming in it's gonna steamroll it um so mick jones as i mentioned he decided to start a band which was considered proto-punk which once again is punk beta
0: yeah it is undoubtedly
1: the worst name in the history of what we've covered in this podcast i am so excited right now it is called london ss and that is right the ss as in the nazis ss it's so fucking horrible um now jones has regretted the name good the reason why he chose it is because he thought he was being an anarchist no but the history dna test says that was a lie no it is not anarchist to name your band after a nazi thing let it be known
0: can you imagine they had done that today they would have been canceled before they started yes (laughs) and rightly so (laughs) we have learned from history hey
1: nazis are not cool no that's right nazis are not cool for anyone listening (laughs) if you support nazis please turn off this podcast yes thank you um but anyway uh, fun fact that i think is worth mentioning quite a few like the clash members before they became the clash audition for this band Paul S- uh Simenon- oh, damn it i knew it was gonna get me simonon auditioned for vocals and tapper heaton and terry chimes who we'll talk about in a little bit would audition for drums at some point but the band as history shows does not last long and fizzles out as most beginning bands do um I don't really know how this lines up exactly, but Mick, after I think that band went to go see the sex pistols and you're going to see the sex pistols mentioned a couple of times. I'm going to tell you right now, we're probably going to do an episode on them because I went on their wiki and holy shit.
0: They're called the sex pistols. What did you expect?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should have known better. Um, But yeah, and he was kind of friends with them before while he was in that band. Like I said, I don't really know the timeline of this. Um, but when they went to go see this, when he went to go see the Sex Pistols perform, apparently the band said something along the li- Sex Pistols, when they were performing, said something along the lines of, here's our tunes. We don't give a flying fuck whether you like them or not. In fact, we're going to play them even if you fucking hate them. That's the vibe I want to be. <laughs> ah! And like Mick is just staring at this like, this is it. This is the band.
0: It's this like, is the band I must form. It's like those mov- moments, moments in movies where it goes, "Oh!" Yes. And he just sees the clouds, his future.
1: The clouds open up, and it is just harshness in saying the word "fuck."
0: Yeah. <laughs> Life goals. <laughs> uh,
1: so, what does he do? He's got to form a band like the Sex Pistols. He contacts Simononin, which is going to mess me up the rest of this podcast, but that's all right. And says, "Hey." go learn an instrument so you can be in this band.
0: Did he steal a bass?
1: <laughs> well, he first tried guitar and Jones is like, go learn bass. No! And has four strings. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Bassist this, is, this is a
1: story of a lot of bassists, Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bringing up wounds for some bassists uh. in here. Um, then the two other members join, uh, which is a dude named Keith Levine. He ain't going to stay much long. And, Terry Chimes, who we mentioned, he's going to leave later on, but you'll hear him coming in in and out. Uh, The band is still on the hunt for a lead singer and they find Joe Strummer strumming away in the 101ers and they're impressed. And in the most punk way possible, they're like, hey, be in our band. You got 48 hours to decide. This message will (laughs) (laughs)
0: self-destruct.
1: And Strummer agrees after 24 hours. So as far as for their name goes, they didn't arrive to the name The Clash at first. Their first choices was Weak Heart Drops, Ew. and Psychotic Negatives. The
0: fuck.
1: <laughs> it wasn't until Paul Simonon was reading newspapers with the word clash, clash, clash. I mean, this is the 70s, so clash, clash. It's a Cold War. And that's when it came to him. So their first show was in 1976 and they're opening for the sex pistols uh that's pretty neat the timing of this show was important for them because they had to beat another band because i guess another london ss spinoff band called the damned was going to play with the sex pistols too and they're like fuck that and they played two days before they played (laughs) so battle the bands um after that show and this is just a fascinating story The Clash and Sex Pistols went to Camden, which Camden's awesome. Highly recommend it. Um, They went to Camden in London to go see the Ramones. And
0: then they all just started a fight at the
1: Ramones. Would you
0: say that they clashed? Now,
1: (laughs) they clashed and got their pistols out. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, I think that's like the most... This is like the big bang, the big clash, if you will, to punk, I feel like. The big it's, bang of punk bands. Yeah. Is this scene right here? Um, but. <laughs>
0: I picture it very West side story where they're all coming out from like three different Ah. corners of like the room. And and they dress like
1: that, too. Very beatnik style. They're
0: dressed like greasers and they're they're all snapping and then they just start throwing punches. Yeah, that's about that's about
1: what happens today, too, in uh, hardcore shows. But (laughs) not much has changed. Um, So by December of that year, we're going to move the time scale up here a little bit. Um, The band had only played a few shows. Mainly because they're like rehearsing; they want to get as tight as possible. Which kudos to them, because I feel like a lot of bands when they start off, they're just like, "Yeah, let's just play." We know what we're doing; we don't need to rehearse. Yeah. Um, also, in that time frame, somewhere Keith Levine goes; he's fired. Terry Chimes leaves, and then they go on the Anarchy tour with Sex, sex Pistols. Who knows that it, it's happening right after they're touring with the Sex Pistols? But they get approached by a record label and keep in mind they're only 30 gigs in they haven't even headlined yet and here comes cbs knocking on their door with a hundred thousand dollar check the hell and it may be the first time we hear a punk bitch yell sellout at a punk band
0: yeah (laughs)
1: because in fact like one of the uk punk zines called sniff and glue and other rock and roll habits that is a fantastic zine name <laughs> ah. um they said quote punk died the day the clash signed to cbs Ooh. um i mean he's wrong because punk kept going but you know i digress uh but once they are signed onto the label they release their first song so before i talk about the name of this song do you ever have a feeling that if time machines exists You would go back and tell the people to quit their shit while they're ahead? No. Oh, I do. I wish I could do that for the whole of Clash and its members because they named the song White Riot. Ooh. Now, the band says it's about class economics. I went and also watched a video of the band talking about the song and the background of it is there is this festival called Notting Hill Carnival, which is a big day for um, black members of the UK as it celebrates Jamaican and Caribbean culture and heritage, from my understanding. Um, But in 1976, for that carnival, there was a lot of heavy police coverage for the event, and black youth were experiencing pressure and harassment, so a riot broke out. And Paul and Joe were participating in those riots so from their view from what i can gather the song is telling white people to basically they're like what do white people do whenever there's you know things they just educate but they're actually not participating so i do get the message um and i'm assuming like for 70s punk they understand that message Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but here's my hot take I recognize their anarchist desire. It is how they are approaching it by writing songs like these that can easily be misconstrued and not thought out well. So what I'm saying is the lesson we can take here is think out your songs and band names and how they will affect others outside of your circle, not just in the small sector you were in outside. Think out, think legacy. But anyway, um, also mick jones would go to regret (laughs) naming a song white right um at
0: least he ends up regretting his life yeah
1: they they least regret it which is what we can ask but you know think ahead folks and the good news is the band does mature i would say from that point because the band we'll talk a little bit super liberal super progressive so that song would be featured on their album the clash a little bit about this album it was recorded in three weeks and for only 4,000 pounds, which is $25,415 uh, pounds today, um, which in hindsight is still not a lot. No, not in the scope of a whole album. Yeah. Because of the recording quality, the record label did not want to release it in the United States because apparently we have standards. <laughs> Sorry, UK.
0: <laughs> we don't want your shitty record.
1: However, despite the re- recording quality, it did chart well in the UK. They did eventually release in the U.S. two two years later, and it like they made um like changes to the order of the songs and swapped some old ones for new. Random story: one of the songs on the UK album, and I hope I'm right on this because I went back to confirm it. I can only find it on random websites, so I don't know if I'm wrong. Send us a message or
0: slide comments slide
1: in our DMs. Um, one of the songs was on the UK album was called Remote Control which is about oppression. The band considered this one of the weaker songs, but the record label, and they're going to do this a lot. They're just going to release it <laughs> without consulting the band they at all.
0: Zero shits about what Correct. the artist wants.
1: Correct. So by the time they go to release the U S version of this album, they added a new song underneath remote control called complete control was essentially calling the record label a dick. And, the record label is just over in their office counting their English Benjamin saying, good, use your anger. <laughs> like they do not give a shit that you wrote a song about them. Just make us money. That's all we want. Anyway, that year was released in the US. It was like the best selling import album, which is a weird phrase because we don't use that today. No. But I guess that means something to if you're in the 70s. Um, also going back to where they were recording the album they recorded it in mick jones's grandma's house and she was a big fan of their music and would frequently go to their shows punk
0: grandma punk
1: grandma now i wish mosh pits existed because i would love to see punk grandma in a mosh pit she
0: would totally be there
1: oh absolutely the album of course features songs about politics economic climates all in the uk but they also have a lot more to offer than that, Leah, including songs about condoms. Why <laughs> does Dix keep coming back into this episode? I do not know, but we're going to keep going into a local brothel keeper. Wow. <laughs> I think it was Janice Jones is the name of the song. Um, and then calling out a critic who gave them a bad review, which to be fair, he deserved. I'm not going to really talk about the view, review because I think it's actually really harsh to a point where it's not good, it's not good to talk about. Um, they also have some variety on their album it did a cover of a reggae song called Police and Thieves. They cover reggae like throughout. It's very random. It's very random. And then Bob Marley, I don't know if it's this album or second album, he would like hear their songs and he covered one or two. Did I'm not here know for that. it. I'm here for it. As far as critical reception, it is well respected in both the UK and the US, many of which, uh, leans towards the praise of it being like a perfect punk album and it is number 77 on rolling stone and i'm crossing out the s leah rolling stone seventh uh no
0: i you you still need the s this is you need the apostrophe s in this case
1: (laughs) damn it um this is a sentence i wrote it is number 77 of rolling stone's seventh greatest albums of all time (laughs) It is number 77 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Um, It's really high, actually. It is. It also should be noted that there are only three out of four members on the album artwork. And this is because Terry Chimes, he left the band, came back, and then he ditched before it was released. (laughs)
0: He said, never mind. (laughs) Bye.
1: But they thanked him for his contribution by calling him Tori Chimes. In the thank you sleeve, Oof. which is great. However, after this album, we see Topper Heaton come on in. So, like most bands, they make an album, they tour the album, and uh, it's their first time as headliner, which is great. And they had artists such as Buzz cox Subway Sect, The Slits, and The Prefects. I'm only putting this sentence in because I want to talk about The Slits real quick. I really should save this for the Sex Pistols episode. But I have to put this weird story in because I I, I have to talk about it. So The Slits, who also might be like a great topic for one of our crossover episodes, like with musers or something like that, because they don't have a lot of history. But they are a female punk band that started up in like the mid-60s. Their lead singer, her name's Aria. Her mother was Nora uh, Forster, who was friends with Jimi Hendrix. She married Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols. That meant Johnny Rotten is Ari Up's stepfather. They're only six years apart in age. Ew. I'm not here to judge anyone, but like a TikTok video said about Tauruses, I guess I'm going to judge them anyway. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't understand that setup, but hey, if love's love, sure. But I just think that's a very interesting fact. That's weird. We'll explore it more. This is your teaser trailer. For our Sex Pistols episode, whenever I decide to do it. Anyway, so fun fact about this tour: uh, Heed and Strummer were arrested on it.
0: Guess that what? Does it, not surprise. Guess me. what? It's for fighting. Wrong. Drugs. S- wrong. Damn. Stealing
1: pillowcases from a hotel. <laughs> Very Keith Moon of you. That
0: is not what I expected. Going crazy
1: on tour. Getting arrested for something stupid.
0: I've stolen a towel before.
1: Ooh, nice. I think I accidentally stole a wooden hanger.
0: I stole the towel because I had dyed my hair purple like two days before I stayed at the hotel. Oh, yeah. And did not know how much dye I was going to get on that towel. And I was like, are they going to make me pay for this? I'm just going to (laughs) take it with me.
1: You're really doing a service for them. (laughs) Uh, So they don't have to deal with that. okay so after this tour they start working on their next album give them enough rope i'm not going to talk too much about this album but here's what you need to know did really well in the uk i think it got number two on the charts the u.s was meh about it um their best performing single was tommy gun we're going to move on because i want to talk about the album after their second album the band decided to isolate themselves completely and commit to rehearsing hardcore like they did not have any group like groupies or friends that's how you come make a out damn good album yeah because at this point like they're kind of on their like make it or break it moment yeah and they just wanted to like produce some music not be judged by anyone you know not have people say ah oh, this isn't good enough because unfortunately when you do have those people hang around they're like judging every single thing you do um So when they went to record, they did 18 hour recording days and most of the songs were one or two takes. Yeah.
0: Damn. They really were rehearsing if they did that.
1: They also recorded with this dude who is very controversial. His name is Guy Stevens. If I could describe him, he is like the band director from Whiplash, except probably a little nicer. And less ulterior motives. So it's J.K. Simmons. Yes. But maybe like just as nuts. To get the band in the right energy, he would throw chairs and ladders okay, on so the wall.
0: He is the band director from Whiplash. Correct. He <laughs> is the scene
1: where where uh, Miles Teller is playing drums and just a random chair goes. That's terrifying. Yeah. And he also, while Joe Strummer was playing piano for a track, he literally went and just poured red wine on the piano while he's like i don't understand the method why would you do that to the piano it did nothing to you oh i agree it hurts me but apparently it worked okay because the result is london calling which is number eight on rolling stones 500 greatest albums of all time that's that's the highest record we've had so far yeah and I don't know what number one is, but I don't want to look it up.
0: It's a Beatles album. No, I think it's either a Beatles, it's Beatles album or Dark Side of the Moon.
1: Oh, it's probably Dark Side of the Moon. Everyone's obsessed with that album.
0: Last Two years ago, I got really ambitious and I was going to listen to all the top 100. I remember that. I think I made it to like 17 and I was like, I'm not vibing with this. <laughs> um, it was also fucking up my stat- my Spotify stats.
1: <laughs> I bet. It also is number one on Rolling Stone's 100 Best Albums of the 80s. Mm. which is awesome so basically what we're saying is this album is an absolute legend it was a double platinum and it was just filled with songs with a variety of topics as well as a variety a wide variety of songwriting styles um for example there were some straightforward songs like a song about safe sex hey educate the children at least talk about safe sex that's right uh plenty of songs about racial justice police brutality nuclear woes and social issues as is the 70s yes um because i think the three mile island thing had just happened so i think that's what it was referencing to uh there also were songs where they explored their emotions like how fucking hard it is to be an adult i feel that mm-hmm. and then there was just like straight up concept songs um with like fi- fictional characters one of those characters was a criminal named jimmy jazz it's i a great love it criminal name um commercially it sold five million copies it went platinum killed it on the charts during that time uh i don't think i added this in but i feel like it needs to be said so i mentioned it was a double album but they sold it for the price of a single album that is they tricked cbs records oh. into that where i think like how it went was they're like hey let's just treat it like a bonus track and it was like a smaller disc I think it's a 45 Yeah, um, treat it like a bonus disc and it's 45 and they said okay and literally just tricked them into selling a double album
0: surprise!
1: Critically people and critics absolutely love this album some call it the first post punk album because they were mixing so many styles and they were they were doing rockabilly they were doing ska they were doing reggae I don't even think ska's a thing yet I think they were like, it was late, was it late seventies? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, in fact, after this album was released, they were billed as the only band that matters.
0: That's a, that's a high Bold
1: claim. Um, I want to take a second and talk about the album cover. Good. The album cover is the most perfect example of rock energy we have.
0: Also of plagiarism. What? It's a direct copy of Elvis's first single.
1: I do have that in They literally were
0: like, copy, paste. Yes. The same layout.
1: Well, at first I thought it was going to be the picture. But anyway,
0: the picture
1: that you see of the smashing of an instrument. So, what that was is Paul Simonon smashed his bass guitar out of retaliation because the bouncers at that concert were not letting people stand up, they had to sit in their chairs. That is not how you watch concert. Yeah, I agree with him. I'd be just as upset. So what Leah was talking about is yes, Elvis Presley released a self-titled album. Mm-hmm. It was single. I think it was his first album, actually. Okay, first, first called Elvis Presley, but what you see like it's just elvis presley it's in that pink on the side green on the green bottom on the bottom they did exactly like that and they embedded it but what i do love is kind of the juxtaposition between the two because here you have elvis just playing a guitar and then you have paul smashing a bass guitar 30 years 30 years later it's like look how far we've come it's a pulse check on rock and roll yeah how it's started and how it's going yep um and now begins the band's decline. Aww. It starts with a rockumentary. Jesus Christ. I can't believe I keep bringing up dicks in this <laughs> damn podcast. Ugh. It all starts with a rockumentary called Rude Boy. There's not too much about this film out there, but it's about a rude boy, which I guess is like a subculture. It's like a beatnik. That's, I'm assuming that's what it is. He works at a sex shop in Soho and then decides to quit and become a roadie for the band. <laughs> The band hates this movie, even though they're in it. But they do hate it for good reason. I will say, this is a good point. They didn't like it because they thought how uh, the band treated black actors in the film was very discriminatory and stereotyped. Like they're rolling it. Mm. So they boycotted their own film. Good for them. And made badges that said, I don't want a rude boy clash film. (laughs) You know? like i said i gave them a lot of flack at the beginning of this outline for their name choices but like i said my, my my dudes as you have said they've evolved they are progressive af i'm glad to see they are making better choices after london calling they have a great idea hey let's release a single a month does that format sound similar to you leah Because that sounds like what every artist does on Spotify today. Yep. But the record label freaks out on them and says, nah, just save them and release them as one album. So the band releases a 36 song LP called Sandinista. 36 songs. Jesus. 36. And it's important to note that there is an exclamation point next to Sandinista, um, which contains three vinyls. So a triple, triple album. That sounds
0: very expensive. And guess
1: what? They sell it as
0: a single album. (laughs) Yeah, CBS is losing a lot of money on that.
1: With the same trick. Well, the band literally does not make money. No. Their whole career, they just break even with London Calling, and then I think it just goes down from there. I just
0: bought a triple record in today money. It was $46. Oh, yeah. If they're selling that for the price, of compare that to today. So, like, a single album's what, 19 99 if it's, you know, on a big label. Yeah. They're losing so much money yes, on that. Yes, they them. are.
1: <laughs> um, so... It got mixed reviews, this album. Then they start to work on another album. Taking inspiration from David Bowie's Ground Control to Major Tom, they name it Rat Patrol from Fort Bragg.
0: I can't decide if I love or hate that.
1: I'm just kidding. I kid. That's not why they named it, but that's where my head goes. Um, it does not make it, that mm-hmm. t- title, by the way. Uh, I think they like either cut the name or cut the album entirely. They just didn't like it. So they rework it into another album called Combat Rock.
0: Still don't like that.
1: It's an interesting album because they have their radio hits, which was Rock the Caspa mm-hmm. and Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh, but also, like, it's pretty experimental and includes beat poet Alan Ginsberg, who had, like, he was involved with Mantra Rock Dance that we discussed in uh, the Janice episode. Big mm-hmm. Brother played there. Um, in terms of success, it did really well. It also reached number two. Uh, But remember, this is a decline. There's a lot of rising tension in the band. Heaton is fired for excessive drug use. Chimes comes back for a second, then um, leaves shortly after. His reason this time was there's just too much fighting. Shortly after, Mick is fired from the band. They recruit new members. They start working on their fifth album. Um, But this album is like not them at all. It is recorded mostly with session musicians. Strummer and the manager are fighting over the sound of the album. Strummer gets so frustrated and just pieces out leaving the manager to finish up the album. <laughs> the manager adds synth and football chants for some fucking reason. Football chants? Football chants. When the first single is released from the album this is England. It's just getting negative reviews. And Strummer said he, quote, I just went, well, fuck this and fucked off to the mountains of Spain to sit sobbing under a palm tree while Bernie had to deliver a record. He just hated this album so much. And then after that, like shortly after the band completely broke up. So after they break up, they all went their separate, separate ways, separate projects, though Strummer would eventually like write some stuff for Jones's new band called Big Audio Dynamite. In 2002, it was announced they would be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Around that time, most of the band wanted to do a reunion show, but Paul just was not the biggest fan of it. And unfortunately, one month later, Joe Strummer would die. Oh, wow. He died from an undiagnosed heart defect, Ooh. just randomly. It's really sad. And then in 2003, March 2003, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So where does that leave us for the Clash today? not much the band doesn't do much um they released remastered box set which is kind of cool but that's pretty much it like they're just re-releasing remastered clips um but i will say amazing legacy as being one of the first punk bands on the scene producing some of the baddest rock albums Mm -hmm. of all time and that is the clash
0: that was a wild ride
1: it is it is quite a wild ride
0: Thanks for listening. As I mentioned earlier, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you want to help other people find our amazing show. Uh, special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website, shiwaraki.com. There you'll find links to all of our socials, a link to email us, show notes and videos. Anything you want to find about us, you'll find it there. And remember, don't do drugs.
1: Don't do drugs.